are you? Welcome to my newest live stream where we will be talking about the zodiac signs and their polar opposites. <clears throat> Welcome to my podcast live stream. You can find my podcast on Spotify, Google, Apple, Anchor, and other platforms. Um, I am... My goal in 2021 is to work very hard on my podcast because I really like podcasting, I'm finding. And I kind of like this live stream platform where I record the stream, where I stream it live on video and then just kind of convert it to audio. Um, But anyways, nonetheless, thank you for listening and watching. My name is Lamar Townsend. I am a, a tarot reader, a psychic an energy channeler, and an astrologer. Make sure you follow me, subscribe, keep in touch with me on my Spotify, Apple, um, Google, and other podcast platforms. Also, follow me on my Twitch, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Vimeo, as well. Lamar Townsend Tarot is my handle on all those platforms. And, yeah, thank you for listening and watching. If you would like a personal reading as well, because I do do personal readings, or, you know, I am available for personal readings. So I do psychic tarot readings, birth chart readings. I do past life readings. I also do candles and other things. So definitely check out my website, lamartownsandtarot.com. Once again, the link should be in the description box below, comment section below, my profile, something like that. All right. So zodiac signs and their polar opposite. So... All of the all of the zodiac signs, each of the twelve zodiac signs, have a polar opposite zodiac sign, meaning that each zodiac sign has another zodiac sign that is a stark contrast to the other said zodiac sign, um, or is a stark contrast to one another in terms of personality, in terms of choices, in terms of how they express themselves. But the one thing I always say when it comes to astrology and tarot readings, especially if you get birth chart readings from me, one thing you will consistently hear me say is that opposites attract or opposites have a lot in common. So even though opposites are opposites, they are contrasted, all right, they do actually have a lot in common, which makes... It's such a significant phenomenon in in astrology, you know, oppositions. Now, the interesting thing in astrology as well, in in an astrological birth chart, is that when you have an opposition in your birth chart, it's actually not a good thing. It's actually a really, really difficult placement, you know. Like someone that has a lot of oppositions in their birth chart is going to have a lot of struggles in their life. And the thing with oppositions is that they tend to show up in your interpersonal relationships. So, most of the time depending on what planets are oppositional to one another. so. But then once again, the ironic thing about oppositions is that you have to learn to see that you're alike. Like you're opposite, but you're alike. It's kind of a thing where like, you know, a hater is just basically someone who like sees something in you that they maybe don't like about themselves or they're struggling with in themselves, you know, but they're just projecting that onto you, you know, and, like, saying it's wrong or, you know, like, but it's, like, you you are me. Like, you know, it's kind of like that's how oppositions work. Sometimes that's how it'll show up in your, 
in your needle chart, like literally that will be a thing for you maybe in terms of opposition, you would have to get a birth chart reading. Once again, LamarTownsandTarot.com, but like, you know, that would be a good example of like how an opposition would show up in terms of your needle chart. Who's in the room? Who's in the Twitch room? Hi, Lenny. How are you? Thank you for being here. Welcome to my Twitch. By the way, if you're new to my Twitch, make sure you subscribe or follow. If you're new to my podcast, make sure you subscribe or follow as well. Um, By the way, I've been getting so many comments on YouTube about how skinny I've been looking, how fit I've been looking lately, and I've been loving those comments. Thank you all. I haven't been commenting back because I'm not the best at that, but but I I always like like the comment or love the comment. So thank you all for telling me how skinny I look. By the way, I'm not wearing my waist trainer right now. You guys know I've been wearing my waist trainer. I'm actually not wearing it. I'm done waist training for the day. So that's one of my secrets is that I've been waist training. You know, that's probably my main secret is that I literally waist train for... I try to do it for like six to eight hours a day. I know we're getting off topic. We'll get back on topic soon, but but I try to do it for six to eight hours a day. I have not been going to the gym because we're in pain, the pandemic. Although the gym is open, I just don't feel comfortable going. Um, so I've just been waist training, and it's actually been working for me. So I don't understand. Maybe we'll do a podcast episode on waist training. I don't know or something, but I don't understand how there's not like any information about waist training. Everything I see about waist training on Google is like, it doesn't work, it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But I'm like, it it's really working for me. So I don't know. Anyway, back on topic. I digress. Thank you for your comments. But opposition in terms of natal charts, in terms of the zodiac. Very, very interesting topic. So... Like I was saying, every zodiac sign has an oppos- oppositional zodiac sign, all right, meaning every every zodiac sign has an opposite zodiac sign. Now, when it comes to oppositions, the main thing is think of the oppositions in terms of elements. Elements, all right? <clears throat> what takes out fire? All right, well, well no, actually, no. Wait, no, because... Fire and water aren't necessarily oppositional. See, that's the trick. Wait, no, I'm getting it mixed up. When it comes to oppositions, don't like, don't think of the elements. Like, don't let the elements get you confused. Because actually, when it comes to the oppositions, I just got confused. When it comes to the oppositions, it's actually fire and air, all right, and water and earth. Which, if you think about it in terms of elements, kind of makes sense. In terms of oppositions, because if you think about it, like, air kind of fuels the the flame of fire, right? Um, Which can be a good or bad thing, depending on the situation. Water, in terms of earth, can, like, you know, water can overflood earth. You know, earth can become really dry and deprived of water. So they kind of need the balance of both, but too much of one can, like, you know, be catastrophic, right? Like kind of deep if you think about it anyways so when it comes to the oppositions the elements are once again fire and air are in opposition to one another that means all fire signs and all air signs have one you know are are, are in opposition to one another not all wait let me rephrase that that means every fire sign 
has an opposition in at least one of the air signs, and every air sign has at least one opposition in the fire signs. In terms of the other the other elements, earth and water, they are oppositional. All right, so this means that every water signs every water sign has at least one earth sign that it's in opposition to, and every earth sign earth sign has at least one water sign that it's in opposition to. <clears throat> All right. So think of it in that way in terms of oppositions. Don't don't think in terms of like fire takes out water and you know um earth, you know, you know, and air, you know, I don't know, creates tornadoes. Like I don't know, like don't think of it in that way. Like think of it more so in terms of air fuels the flames of fire, which in certain cases can be good. All right, sometimes we need that, you know, you know, to keep warm, to you know, like we need that. Sometimes it can be a really bad thing. We don't know how to contain it, right? The other oppositional elements, air or earth and water, you know, what the balance of the two creates, you know, sustainable sustainability. It creates, you know, like a really good environment for um, vegetables to grow and life to grow and blah 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 blah. But too much water creates, you know, flooding. All right, it creates situations like you know Hurricane Katrina. You know, un, you know, unfortunately. Too much dryness, like the desert, you know, creates dehydration of not only people but the land and things of that nature. So neither is good, right? All right, oppositions, all right? Each sign in terms of oppositions. Let's start with the fire and the airs, all right? <clears throat> so Sagittarius's oppositional zodiac sign is Gemini, all right? Sagittarius is ruled by the ninth house in astrology, it's ruled by Jupiter, all right, which is all about higher education, higher learning, long-distance travel. Sagittarius, Jupiter in the ninth house is also about your personal philosophies and beliefs. Good luck. Um, it is also about taking risks, your sense of open-mindedness. In contrast to that, Gemini, the third house, is about your intellect the mind, communication, all right, how you communicate. It's also your young childhood to young adult years, which, you know, during that time period, you tend to reflect what's taught to you or what you see, not necessarily what you believe or what you, you know, want to pursue, which is the ninth house energy, all right? But if you notice something, like, they have a lot in common. Like, they both have intellect in common. You know, they both have, you know, this kind of... um free spirit and nature about the Mercury, Gemini, and Sagittarius. But in contrast, Gemini is more so sometimes limited in their expressions of themselves are limited in their thinking or their creativity. They only can go so far or they're only willing to go so far, you know, based on, you know, what they're taught, you know, their own restrictions of, of themselves. But Sagittarius is what pushed pushes past that limit that Sagittarius can't can't push past, you know. And this is once we, like, you know, because everyone has a natal chart, right? So think of it in this way, like Gemini is your, is the third house in astrology. Mercury is your young childhood to young adult years. So literally Gemini rules everyone in general, all right? Everyone's 
I would say until you're born, until you're like, you know, 18 to 21 is your Gemini years. Now, what Gemini, you know, is in your natal chart is going to rule how that time frame looks like for you, right? But then after the age of 21, you get into your ninth house Jupiter Sagittarius years, right? Which is the polar opposite. And that's why sometimes growing up, you have situations where, like, you'll grow up being one way, and then this is me, I'm speaking me. And then as you grow up, you become the total opposite of, like, what you were taught to believe or your family or your friends. And, you know, suddenly maybe you're in opposition. And the interesting thing about the ninth house in Sagittarius is it rules debates and things of that nature because now you're in your your beliefs and your opinions and you're living your life. So, it like, it creates this weird dichotomy. So, anyways, that's that whole situation with the opposition of Gemini and Sagittarius, all right? Hi, Natural Mystic. How are you? Thank you for being here. I don't think I've ever seen you in my chat, I guess. Yeah, this is a chat. So, um, <clears throat> the second of the fire and air signs to be oppositional would be Leo and Aquarius. Leo in astrology is ruled by the fifth house, the sun, which is creativity, your childhood as well, and children. It also does rule your connection to your life purpose and your higher self. Leo is also your self-expression. And, um, you know, Leo is like the actor of the zodiac. It's very theatrical, very very self-expressive. You know, that's Leo energy. Um, very powerful. Uh, Aquarius in opposition is the 11th house, Uranus, which rules friends, acquaintances, social groups. It also rules how you go about living your life and how you go about getting what you want and, and expressing yourself as compared to how society maybe expects you to be or um, stereotypes you to be, you know, based on race, religion, and blah, 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 gender. Um, Aquarius is you being who you want to be. You know, it's interesting how that seems to be a theme. Like, there's one aspect that's, like, a little bit limited, and then there's another that pushed past that limit. Anyways, um, that is Aquarius. Aquarius is also technology. Aquarius is also innovation. Um, Aquarius is also aliens, literally, rules aliens. Um, that's why in the Aquarius age that we're in, we're having a lot of extraterrestrial activity. You guys know I believe in the aliens, okay? Um, so yeah, that's Aquarius in opposition to Leo. But once again, if you notice that they have, they have a lot in common still. You know, they both have this kind of thing going with self-expression, all right? Um, Leos are very generous, friendly people. You know, both of them can be very friendly, but Leo, in contrast to Aquarius, Leo can be very much about self. It's self-expression. It's the experience of self. It's your connection to your life purpose and your higher self. Only you have that connection with, with you know, only you have that connection. In contrast, Aquarius is the your higher self's connection with the collective, right? Aquarius is um, not necessarily following trends, whereas Leo may like to stay on trends. You know, Leo, like Aquarius, you know, can make something that is off-trend, like, cool, you know, whereas Leo, you know, it's a little bit of a different expression, you know. Once again, we have fire and air, you know. Aquarius is definitely more intellectual, whereas Leo is more creative off the cuff, all right? <clears throat> so, but both have a lot in common, you know. Once again, the theme of 
Leo being your childhood. And, you know, Aquarius is you pushing past the limits of what's projected onto you or what um, you're expected to be even as a child, you know, like someone with a very interesting, you know, Leo placement or sun placement or fifth house placement, like maybe even having a sun in Aquarius especially or fifth house in Aquarius, that child's going to be different. You know, like that child, you know, from the jump, you know, they're going to be, you know, unique and they're not going to probably have the normal child experience or, you know, you're not, they're not going to like, there's going to be something about them that's going to be different, you know, as compared to someone who is a son in Leo or a fifth house in Leo. Like, you know, that may be the perfect, perfect child, you know, like, you know, the child that like, um, you know, every step of the way they, they hit the mark, you know, like, you know, it's like, but, you know, you expect you, everything about them is expected. It's the prom king, the prom queen. You know, that's like Leo, whereas Aquarius is like, they have the awkward years and, you know, they kind of, you know, shut themselves you know, out from the family. Maybe they're the black sheep growing up, but then they become, you know, the Steve Jobs of the family or the, um, you know, the innovator of the family, you know, but they, the Aquarius just needs that, that room and, and environment to just be and not be judged. All right. They're going to be judged anyway, but they need to learn to like just be. Like that's Aquarius. That's you getting into your Uranus 11th house years, which you know, it's probably around young your teen years. I would say is when that starts. Anyway, I digress. What time are we on? I don't even know. I'm not even paying attention to the time. This might be a short little podcast. All right, um, we'll see. I don't know. Anyways, let's see what's uh, what else is going on. Okay, so we have Aries and Libra. Ooh, my one of my faves. All right, I'm a Libra moon myself. Um, Aries is Mars. It's the first house. It's your rising sign. It is how people see you. It's your self image. It's your reputation. Aries. Um, the first house in Mars is also your physical appearance. It's also your general outlook on life um, and things of that nature, all right? So as an Aries, when it comes to Aries, you know, Aries cares a lot about what people think by nature. You know, Aries is someone that cares a lot about what people think about them. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean Aries is going to take into account what people think about them. All right, but just, you know, the fact that people are thinking about them is a good thing or talking about them is a good thing for Aries, right? But an Aries always wants to, you know, make sure that they put on, a, a you know, a good reputation. Now, in contrast, Aries doesn't necessarily need anyone to validate them in actuality, which can create a, an, an environment of arrogance, all right? Once again, you know, childhood, you know, like, you know, a child thinks the world revolves around them. That's like Aries. <clears throat> but then you grow up, and then you realize, oh, you have to live in this world, and other people matter. That's Libra, right, in contrast to Aries. Libra is the seventh house in astrology. It is ruled by Venus, which is all about one-on-one relationships, business partnerships. It is also marriage. It is also technically Venus's money, how you make your money, how you spend your money, although that is technically the second house, Taurus. But I digress. Libra specifically is all about relationships, harmony, building connections with others. Um, and Libra see the value in that. Libra, in contrast to Aries, sees the value in 
getting other people on your side and winning people over and, you know, um, socializing and social networking because really, you know, having connections, you know, is like can be more important or more powerful than being the most powerful person in the room or the most dominant person in the room, the most well-known person in the room, you know, like an Aries, you know, but it's like, you know, if other people can't vouch for you, then, you know, it's like, does your presence or does your, is your, like, is your austere really validated? If other people can't vouch for you, if other people can't say, yeah, you know, like, you know, they're a good person. Like, that's Libra, you know, whereas Libra will work to create the connections and put in the work to, you know, make connections with people, especially like-minded people, you know, um, people that make Libra feel good or, you know, maybe even people that Libra can make feel good. It's like Libra really cares about people, you know, most of the time, all right? <laughs> the ironic thing is that Libra can have a vein side to them too, all right? Opposites do attract. Libra cares a lot about what people think about them, all right? Similar to Aries. But in opposition to Aries, Libra can care too much about what people think about them and a Libra can lose an essence of who they truly are. So that's the thing with, you know, Libra is that, like, you have to remain balanced in who you are. This is me. This is you. We are, like, we are one, I guess. So we are, you know, we're together. But I still have my life and you still have your life, and that's okay, you know. And, you know, like, you know, we can still support one another, and, you know, like, that's Libra. Whereas Aries is like, you know, my life is more important, you know, and maybe I want to share with you, maybe I don't. You know, that's that like that like really arrogant, you know. Aries is like the the um the child that, you know, grew up the only child, you know, that they never learned how to share or they never learned the importance of sharing as compared to the child that grew up around a lot of siblings or cousins or, you know, something like that, right? Where they had to share and create con that's Libra, you know. Anyways, air or water and earth. Let's start with Pisces and Virgo. <clears throat> Are there any Pisces and Virgos in the room? Pisces is a water sign traditionally ruled by the 12th house, which is Neptune in astrology. Ironically, Pisces is also ruled by Jupiter, but technically Pisces is ruled by um, solely Neptune, co-ruled by Jupiter, but the main ruler of Pisces is Neptune. Neptune rules secrets. Neptune rules hidden affairs, life behind closed doors. Neptune also rules your need for solitude, your connection to spirituality. It rules creativity. It rules your dreams, your connection to the dream world and the spirit realm. Pisces is a very spiritual sign. Um, Pisces is getting past that practicality of Virgo of needing everything to be perfect, which we're going to get into in a minute. And just being, just kind of flowing with life, you know, and also understanding that there's more to life than meets the eye, all right, both literally and figuratively, all right. Pisces tend to be very spiritual people, but ironically, Virgo, its polar opposite zodiac sign, is quite spiritual as well, all right. Virgo is ruled by Mercury, which is um, also the ruler of the sixth house, uh, so that means Mercury rules both. Virgo and Gemini, okay? 
But Virgo is ruled by the sixth house, Mercury, which is all about your daily routine, your sense of organization. It also rules your job, your work, your approach to your health. Um, Virgo is getting up and, you know, every day you wake up at 8 a.m., you know, and at 10 a.m., by 10 a.m., you're hitting the shower. By 11, 11 a.m., you're you're eating breakfast. By 12, you know, p.m., you're at the gym. It's like everything is planned, you know, which kind of creates no room for growth. So Virgo is like, you know, once again, Mercury. So it rules, obviously, your young childhood to young adult years. Pisces would be pushing past that and realizing, man, maybe, you know, it, it's okay to not, like, you know, have to wake up so early like my parents made me when I was little or like we had to when we were going to school. You know, maybe now that I'm this age, you know, or maybe now that I'm doing this, maybe I can set my own rules. You know, maybe man-made rules don't apply to me anymore, certain man-made rules, all right? That's Pisces. Now, the interesting thing with Pisces is that Pisces, in that sense, can get a little bit delusional, all right, a little bit, you know, too much in the air and too much, you know, not grounded. Now, the thing that Virgo has going for them is that they're very grounded. You know, having structure grounds you, right, but having no structure can unground you. So that's one thing Pisces needs to learn, you know, and that's why, like, you know, it's interesting as you, like, you know, think about it like this, you know, uh, you know, someone, a kid that goes off to college, you know, their whole life they've had structure. Well, like maybe this is pre, pre-COVID, pre I don't know. But, you know, their whole life they've had structure, but now they go to college and now they have to set their own rules and, you know, um, they don't have their parents, you know, waking them up in the morning, telling them to get up and, you know, you're five minutes late for the bus or whatever, and they struggle with that. They're late for their classes. They fail. They they have to drop out. They have to move back home because they had no structure, all right? They didn't know structure, all right? That's Pisces, okay? <clears throat> structure is important, but also going with the flow is important too, all right? Um, being practical and, and sticking to a routine is good, but also, like, there's also something about having a routine in terms of the spirituality, like a spiritual routine, you know, like, the one thing I like about Pisces is that Pisces is very creative. So, like, Pisces, music is a big thing with Pisces. So, Pisces, you know, music for Pisces can be very spiritual. So, like, Pisces may have a thing where every night before they go to bed, like, they'll just listen to music, really calming music and vibe. And that puts them in a spiritual mood. And that spiritually grounds them. That's important for Pisces. Having a spiritual routine is just as important, as, if not more important, than having some sort of, like, literal physical routine for a Pisces, I'll say, all right, like, you learn, you start to learn the importance of, like, oh, I need some sort of spiritual routine, because, like, life is starting to get harder as I get into these Pisces, Neptune years, you know, all right, Ooh, y'all, I need a drink, I'm talking a lot, you guys, let me take a sip of water, <clears throat> how are you guys doing, hit the comment section below, hit the like button, Let me know you're enjoying this video. I think we have two more sets of signs to go. <clears throat> Once again, if you want a reading from me, if you want a birth chart reading or anything, um, check out my website, lamartownsendtarot.com. All right, the next set is Scorpio and Taurus. So Scorpio is traditionally ruled by Pluto, the eighth house 
which is the house of death, um, rebirth, evolution, change, spiritual growth. Um, it is also the subconscious. Scorpio is also sex and sexuality. Um, Scorpio is a very intense energy. Pluto is a very intense energy. All right. Scorpio is all about learning one's inner strength, like learning the power of oneself, all right? In contrast to Taurus, which is about learning the power of working hard and attaining wealth and attaining things and not necessarily focusing on the self. So in this case, Taurus is the more limited aspect, where Scorpio is you pushing past your limits and realizing your true limits, which, you know, really were unlimited, you know. That's the Scorpio, you know, rising from the Scorpio to the Phoenix kind of thing, you know, that, that whole cliche trope. But anyway, you know, Taurus is the second house in astrology, which is Venus which is money, how you make your money, how you spend your money. It is also your sense of economic security, your things, you know, your house, your home, all right, your car. That's all Taurus. That's all your second house, um, which are important. You know, you work hard for your money. Dun, 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 dun. I get it, you know, like, but what's also important is working hard on yourself, too. Like, there's something about doing the inner work. And the interesting thing is that shadow work, that's Scorpio, all right? Shadow work is Pluto, all right? Facing your demons and doing the healing work. And, you know, even if it looks ugly, doing the ugly cry and, like, whatever that looks like for you, doing the work, that's Pluto, you know, to get to the other side, to get to, 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 to you know, more, a more spiritually powerful place. All right, a, a more spiritually powerful place of understanding yourself and understanding life and understanding hardships and understanding that hardships don't last. But the interesting thing about Taurus is that, like, Taurus learns that, like, things don't last. Your car breaks down. You lose your job. You, you lose money. Like, you know, like, you lose your girlfriend. You lose your boyfriend. Like, you realize that things don't really matter, do they, as much as, you know, maybe the self. As may, maybe as other people in them, themselves, like like that's Taurus in Scorpio. The contrast between the two, which is an interesting segue, I think, into the last set of zodiac signs: Cancer and Capricorn. Cancer is ruled by the Moon. Cancer is um, also ruled by the fourth house, which is the family, the home. It's how you emotionally express yourself. It's how you express your emotions. It's also how you um, <clears throat> deal with your emotions. It is how you emotionally connect with others. It's also what you need to feel emotionally secure. It's also the mother, your relationship with your mother. In contrast, Capricorn is Saturn, which is the 10th house in astrology, which is your status in life, your career, your professional destiny. It is debt, weight, illness. It is also the father or your father, your relationship with your father. 
So the interesting theme here is that Cancer and Capricorn are both parents, both parents of the Zodiac, both naturally people who most likely at a young age have to be older than they need to be, right? Who have to be maybe a parent in some way, who have to be, you know, grown up at a young age, basically. Capricorn in a more practical way, maybe Capricorn's lesson, you know, is, you know, nothing ain't free. You know, Saturn is not an easy planet to work with. Trust me, I have like five planets in Saturn, all in my fifth house in Capricorn, all right? <clears throat> Saturn is not an easy planet. You know, you know, Capricorn learns at a young age that, you know, nothing ain't free, you know, that you really have to work, you know, hard for what you 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 earn but you know the thing the interesting thing about that is that Saturn not only makes you a tough person mentally and physically but it also makes you a tough person emotionally because of what you go through with Saturn all right q cancer emotions cancer at a young age has to be emotionally more mature or, or or emotionally grown up. Maybe they have like a parent or siblings or a situation where, you know, they have to kind of learn to master their feelings at a young age or what they think is mastering their feelings at a young age in order to help others with their feelings and in, in order to help other people and let them know that they're okay. But like the thing with that is, is that like does cancer, you know, as they age and grow, have the wherewithal to learn to master their feelings in a healthy way or to deal with their feelings in a healthy way because that's what cancer needs to be healthy like hello you know so but the interesting thing is that like both have this thing where capricorn needs to be, learn to be more emotional and more vulnerable all right cancer needs to learn to be more less emotional and more practical all right but two can butt heads on that all right Capricorn hates that cancer, you know, cancer's emotions getting in the way. Cancer can't stand that Capricorn has no emotions or seems to have none, right? Capricorn does, but they just don't like showing it because they don't like being vulnerable, all right? Because emotions for them, in certain in certain, in certain instances can be taught that, you know, emotions are not important if you have Capricorn energy in your chart, you know. Capricorn is suck your emotions up, suck it up, and deal with it, you know. Cancer can have the same... Um, cancer can have the same experience as well, though. Um, But a cancer, both need balance in terms of emotions and practicality, period. But the interesting thing about Capricorn as well is that Capricorn can be the lone wolf. So Capricorn thinks that they can do it all themselves. Capricorn is the father, you know, like, but cancer, you know, takes care of the home. Cancer takes care of the family. Cancer's with the family. Cancer has the support of the family. Like, everything is on Capricorn's back. Or is Capricorn putting everything on their back? Like, you know, like, Capricorn could put a little bit of the the weight on other people. Or, like, you know, like, it's like this kind of thing where Capricorns can make it unnecessarily hard for themselves because they don't like to be vulnerable. Like, literally. Like, it's okay to be vulnerable, you know? 
Our opposition's messy. Hit the like button if you like this podcast. Please subscribe. Follow me. I can't wait until our next podcast episode. Thank you for listening and watching. Definitely, if you want a personal reading, um, check me out, lamartownsandtarot.com. Follow me on Twitch, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. Follow my podcast on Spotify, Apple, Google. Um, the link to my podcast on Spotify actually will be in the profile on my Twitch. All right. So I'll see you guys in the next one. Love and light. Thank you for listening and watching.